What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 43, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Seth. Seth. And Zach, we are back. We're back. I totally didn't anticipate that. I don't know why I didn't, but hey, uh, hey we're back. We're back. It's, uh, uh, hey, Brent. It's time to start season three. I have a Jaffa joke for you. You've got a you got a Jaffa joke. <laughs> okay. A horse guard, a serpent guard, and a Satesh guard <laughs> were standing together on a neutral planet. Uh huh. The serpent guard's <laughs> eyes glisten. Nope. Uh. Glow. Shoot, I can't remember. <laughs> The serpent guards. No, the 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 Horus wow. guards' beak glistens. Uh-huh. Here, here it is. And the Satesh guards' nose drips. Oh, <laughs> that was the funniest joke. Oh, I miss those Jaffa jokes. Oh, the Jaffa jokes. You oh, know, if Jaffa I jokes. were really good, I would have a either written that down so I didn't screw that up like I did, or B come up with a new Jaffa joke. But I'm not really good. I'm just. Oh. Me, so, so there you go. <laughs> I'm confident that the internet is full of Jaffa jokes. And maybe I will hear more in the season. So, okay, all right. So so here's the deal. Okay. I don't know if Jaffa jokes are a thing or not. <clears throat> if they are a thing, then then folks uh folks emailing or tweeting or Facebooking their own Jaffa jokes is probably not a good idea because if this is a thing, then then it's a thing. But if it's not a thing, if there isn't many more or any more Jaffa jokes in Stargate, boy, oh boy, does that need to happen. There needs to be like a, a bunch of people that are just writing Jaffa jokes like right now, and they've got to be r- really good. Wink, wink. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm Googling this now. Yeah. Um, there is a Reddit page of Jaffa um, jokes from lots of years ago. Um, anyone have any other Jaffa jokes? Uh, how many Jaffa does it take to replace a light bulb? Uh, knowledge of gold magic is strictly forbidden. <laughs> a Tokra and a Jaffa were out playing golf. The Tokra, Tokra was particularly bad and he kept saying, damn, missed every time he missed a hole. The Jaffa told him in a scared voice, you must not utter those words for Apophis will strike you down. They continued playing and the Tok'ra missed again and the Jaffa repeated his warning. Afterwards, when the Tok'ra missed again, he repeated his curse. Suddenly, before the Jaffa could say anything, Apophis' ship appeared and blasted the Jaffa and a loud voice said, Damn, missed. (laughs) That's not really a Jaffa joke. That's a uh, joke you know what? I didn't read this ahead of time. I'm just just doing it on the fly. Yeah, like a Jaffa joke. Like like a Jaffa joke would be something along these lines. Like it would be like, um, uh, a system lord walks into an establishment that serves alcoholic beverages and looks at the person responsible for the dispensation of alcoholic beverages and says unto him, "Behold, I am here." Isn't it funny? yeah okay so uh (laughs) listeners you have a task uh point us to the jaffa jokes that exist online 
uh, because we want to hear them or come up with your own Jaffa jokes. And, you know, if they're really good, we'll share them. Yeah. Uh, and even so, if they're not really good, we'll still probably share them. So I missed I missed one of my standard lines. I was about to ask you, Zach, yes. how people can let us know about their Jaffa jokes, which might uh, as well. Hey, hey, Zach, how should people let us know about their Jaffa jokes? Well, if they want to tell us about their Jaffa jokes, then the easiest way is to send it to us by email, which is walking through the stargate at gmail.com, which mm-hmm. is W-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com. Seriously, I think I might actually have to start timing it just to see if you are first not missing letters, which I don't think you are like that. That was I think it was right on the money. And secondly, just to actually start documenting how quickly you're getting <laughs> how quick you are getting at saying those letters. The, 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 the places where I might be muddling the letters are around the ing of walking and the G-H-T-H-E can get uh, a little bit uh, murky there. Sure. Uh, but but you know if you want to go ahead and do that you do that I, I, um, I'm not I'm not I'm not sure if I am I'll, I'll freely admit that I'm not sure if I want to actually do this but I'm just I'm just postulating sure sure well everything starts with a postulate everything does um, or assumptions or something you know who knows yeah. anyway. uh, or if if you don't have email you can still contact us via Twitter at Stargate walking or on Facebook at the walking through mm-hmm. the Stargate Facebook page or Facebook mm-hmm. group. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, Brent, I interrupted you, and you were going to tell people how they could find this lovely podcast of ours. Yes. Yes. So uh, I haven't I haven't done my due diligence to see just how easy it is becoming to find it. Uh, I have it from trusted sources that if you go to Spotify and you type in, the, in their podcast section, if you type in Stargate, ours pops up as like one of the first three which is pretty convenient. Um, uh, Also on on uh, Apple. Apple. I actually did this for a friend yesterday. Uh Uh, If you type in your podcast on Apple, uh, walking through the Stargate will be about the fourth or fifth one down, but you do have to get walking through the before you get there. Um, uh, So it's not uh, as easy to find. uh, No, but but, uh, you know, but I actually haven't gone to Apple podcast and put in the word Stargate. I wonder where we'd be on that one. Uh, that's true. I didn't do that. Um, but uh, anyways, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and on Google Play Podcasts. I have not gone on Google Play to see how easy it is. Uh, Spotify Podcasts, as I just mentioned. Um, you can also just do the old-fashioned RSS thing. Um, I think, like, if you're using an, an, an aggregator app, I think it's also just as easy as hitting the little plus button and searching for our name. I think it comes up that way, too. But you have a lot of different ways to find us so that you can tell folks, hey, you person who is getting onto the podcast bandwagon, you should listen to this podcast about Stargate, which is amazing. And uh, when they do, they should then give us all the five stars. Speaking of, people are giving us ratings. Thank you very much, those of you who are giving us ratings. Yay! Um, I, I also noticed that they are those premium choice five-star ratings, so that is fantastic. Thank you. That uh, might be a part of the reason why... <laughs> That might be part of the reason why they're able to find us. Yay. So on Spotify, there's a little heart button thing somewhere, I think, if I remember right. So click that doohickey so that uh, the the Spotify gods know that this is uh, this is something that people should listen to. That's so, uh, right. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what we got going on. Yep. Oh. Uh, so, Brent, shall we dig into this episode, Seth? Yeah, let's get back to work. All right. So this episode was directed by William or Bill Corcoran, 
This is his second and last episode of directing Stargate SG-1. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did hear his name uh, in season two with one false step. Uh-huh. That was the uh, guys with bald heads oh, yeah. and uh, body suits on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, now, I, I did a that? Google search for Bill Corcoran, and apparently he works at the Cooley Law Firm, where innovation meets the law. And according to the Cooley <laughs> Law Firm website, he advises on the federal and state income tax consequences of corporate and partnership mergers and divisions. He also represents leveraged buyout venture capital, uh, mezzanine, and other alternative investment vehicles on formation and investment issues. Bill's practice includes assisting non-U.S. investors in alternative investment vehicles formed to invest in equity, debt, real estate, and infrastructure projects. Uh He has extensive expertise in advising foreign sovereigns investing in the U.S. Bill also represents multinational corporations on financing, tax treaty planning, and other cross-border tax issues. He Mm -hmm. also has experience representing public and private companies involved in developing the exchangeable share structure and advises U.S. investors investing in Canada through alternative investment vehicles. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's not actually our Bill Corcoran, but it was. Oh, good. Good, because for a minute there, I'm like, this guy and I would not get along at all. (laughs) I'd be like, okay, so you're the kind of guy that totally creates tax shelters for people to shovel their money into offshore and then also comes up with uh, suboptimal prime investing uh, opportunities for for, uh, people that are uh, predatory lenders. You sound like a really great guy. Oh, good. It's not that, Bill Corcoran. 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 Uh, (sighs) Oh. Okay, Sorry, so, so uh, what about our, what about our Bill Corcoran? Okay, so um, there's not a whole lot of information about him. Uh, he's directed a bunch of stuff. Um, he's actually a Canadian film director, um, uh, and as I mentioned uh, on uh, One False Step, he did direct one episode of Kung Fu: The Legend Continues. Yes. So oh. uh, there you have it. So uh, it was Zach, in the first season episode reunion. Um, you and I, we don't actually have like an abundance of free time to start a second podcast. So maybe after we get all the way through Stargate, the next thing that we should do is Kung Fu. The legend continues. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. So after, uh, 17 seasons of Stargate. Uh huh. Yeah. At about eight, 10 years. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say at about, uh, about two, two seasons a year. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, uh, we will uh, jump into Kung Fu, The Legend Continues. And if Kung you want, Fu. and I've never seen it, and you've never seen it, so that would be nope. fascinating. I don't it even know would... if you can find it. Uh, oh, I bet you, I bet you, I'm confident that there is a way. I'm there, confident. You know, if there's a will, there's a way. That's right. That's how that's it works. That's what they say. That That's what they say. All right. Uh, the teleplay for Seth is by Jonathan Glasner. This is his first of four writing credits this season. Uh, he is, of yeah. course, one of the creators of the show. Mm-hmm. And if you want to know more about Jonathan, listen to our other podcasts. There's only or 42 Google of them. It. Or, but, well, no, there's more than that because we got some bonus episodes in there. That's but whatever. True. That's true. It'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, a couple of the guest actors, we have Carmen Argenziano back as Jacob and Selmak. And Robert Duncan is Seth. Uh, we've actually seen Robert Duncan before he played... Uh, Dr. Jackson's dad in the episode The Gamekeeper. So mm-hmm. when uh, 
Uh, Jackson is seeing his parents die over and over again by the gamekeeper. Uh, Robert Duncan is playing his father in those scenes. Gotcha. Yep. Uh, the original air date for uh, Seth is July 2nd, 1999. Mm-hmm. Number one on the charts was If You Had My Love by Jennifer Lopez. Yep. That was in the U.S. And in the U.K. was 9 p.m. Till I Come by ATB. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Mm. In uh, the box office. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Number one, brand new this weekend. This is opening weekend for Wild Wild West. And it comes hey. out number one. Nice. This is the movie that... Uh, 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 Will Smith decided to do instead of doing The Matrix, which incidentally came out like oh. in March of this year and is still sitting at around 15, 16, somewhere in there this week. So, oh man, on the Matrix. I don't know if I knew that. So, what, uh, which character was he um, auditioning for? As I understand it, uh, Will Smith could have been Neo. Oh my goodness. He would have been a pretty. Well, Yes, he would have been a good Neo, but a very different Neo. It would have been very different than than what we had. Uh, But yeah. Guess what I read? What did you read? They're making a fourth Matrix movie with Keanu Reeves and, uh, oh boy. Uh, Carrie Ann Moss. Thank you. And um, one of the Wachowskis is doing it, I think, if I remember right. Um, At least, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I don't remember which one. A fourth one. Which would be all right. Which, now, but you, which baffles me, though, because at the end of the last yes, movie, yes. Uh, both of those characters are dead. I, was that it? Was that was that? I'm pretty, well, I, I, I'm pretty I watched sure. It, I mean, it's been a long I time since I've seen yeah. Evolutions. Yes, right. Likewise. I somehow decided to purchase it, but I think I've watched it like twice. Um, yeah. Which I don't even know if I still have it. I probably don't. Um, and... It's okay if we're going to kind of go at it from the angle of like many years later, like, you know, it, it, it but if they're going to try to have everybody be like their super athletic 20 years younger selves, like that's not going to, well, I don't know. I have opinions. We'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah. Um, I mean, what they have said is, I mean, what, what I read on that is, is that it, the script hasn't even been started hardly oh so we're at that stage where it's like sure i'll do another one <laughs> yeah although they said that they wanted to start like actually working on this thing like like with actors and and cameras and stuff like in mm-hmm. early 2020 so i mean i knows? suppose like because conceptually like if you already have the sort of the arc of your story in your head like going from having an arc of a story to getting it on paper to tightening it up to actually start shooting probably wouldn't take all that long if you had all of the apparatus, right? Like well, if you had access yeah. to all the things. But uh, I don't know. That's still like four months away. We will wait and see. Yes. So uh, in any case, back to 1999, mm-hmm. uh, July 2nd, uh, the box office number one was Wild Wild West. Number two was Big Daddy. Number mm-hmm. three, Tarzan. Number four, mm-hmm. South Park. Bigger, longer, and uncut. <laughs> All right. Okay. And number yep. five, The General's Daughter. Yeah, I still don't remember The General's Daughter. Uh, you know, I still don't either. Uh, the name strikes me as familiar, but I didn't actually yeah. look that up. All right. Uh, what was happening about this time? On the 1st of July, the Scottish Parliament is officially opened by Queen Elizabeth 
On the day, powers are transferred from the old Scottish office in London to the new uh, Scottish executive in Edinburgh. Okay. Edinburgh. Yeah. Yeah. On the 3rd, well, this is at Wimbledon, right? So on the 3rd, uh, Lindsay Davenport beats Steffi Graf in two sets for her only Wimbledon singles title. Hooray. And on the 4th, uh, in the men's world, it was an all-American final with Pete Sampras and Andre Agassi, and Pete wins in three sets mm-hmm. for his third straight Wimbledon title. Yay! Um, also on July 4th, the Los Angeles Galaxy soccer star David Beckham uh, weds Spice Girls singer Victoria Beckham at the 560-acre Littrellstown Castle outside Dublin, Ireland. He so, was not playing. Was he playing for the Galaxy at that point? It's so soccer. David, I don't know. Yeah, David Beckham. I mean, like, so, you know, world-class English uh, soccer player. I can't remember which club he was playing for. Was it Real Madrid? Um, whatever. He was playing He was playing in the American Major League Soccer at the end of his career. And I don't right. think that 99 was the end of his career. Like, at all. Yeah. Uh, Whatever know, doesn't matter. Uh, all I I go to the website that I go to and I find this stuff and and I put hey, it on here and I don't good. vet it. All good. All so, it's all fine. All right. So we do have some trivia for this episode. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there is a scene where Doctor Jackson is explaining to the rest of the team about the history of Satesh. Uh, and on the screen, the information there actually contains information history from the White Wolf role-playing game, Vampire the Masquerade. Hmm. So, uh, there you go. Uh, Wait, was it, uh, oh boy. See, this would have been wanna... early on, right, when he's like, uh, well, I did oh, yeah, a really yeah. no, search I remember. for Seth, mm-hmm. and, right? Yeah. But, um, I mean, did they, did they literally pull up a webpage? <laughs> like, you know, like... <laughs> Apparently, they pulled. I and, mean, <laughs> and did they get permission from the creators before pulling up that web page? <laughs> that is between MGM. Uh-huh. Maybe that's Way why MGM back, is bankrupt. Back Hey-o! in the day, there we go. Back in the day when uh, when the internet was the wild wild west and uh, Napster was a thing and uh, everybody true. was stealing everything else from everybody. There you go. Um, let's see here. Also. Uh, of course, this episode makes an allusion to David Koresh, which was the leader of the Branch mm. Davidian sect mm-hmm. cult from Waco, Texas, back in 1993. I remember that. That was a huge deal when I was young. I so speaking of, I um uh that day, that very day, I was uh uh in in middle school math class. There we go. I'm gonna you know, date myself here on this one, but uh, middle school math class. And we were working up some, I don't know, some project or another. And I was uh, using a box cutter inappropriate, incorrectly and ended up slicing my thumb open and uh, <laughs> had to get sent home early. And I get home and I'm bored. It's the middle of the day and I flip on the television. And that was the day that the ATF was storming uh, the, uh, the compound. So, oh, wow. right. I know. So I've got this weird, like this, you know, very, vivid memory of the whole thing happening but it had it was it was far more circumstantial than anything else but uh but yeah no the the when when uh, we were watching this episode uh having the atf uh stationed outside the compound i was like mm-hmm. yep yeah 
this yep. would be pretty fresh in people's minds. Yeah. I mean, so this would have been about uh, six years later. Yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, I do have something from the Illustrated Companion about yeah, this. Yeah, okay. Nice. So, uh, Jonathan Glasner writes about this, and he's like, huh, I wonder what it would be like if, if there was actually a ghoul world on the planet and, and you know, doing the whole David Koresh thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he wanted to also do an episode that was on Earth because it's just a little, he calls it a breath of fresh air. Um, I, I think that's certainly a possibility. Uh, I'm not certain this episode is that breath sure. of fresh air. Right. Uh, Amanda Tapping talks about this. Uh, I'll quote from the book here. Uh, Amanda Tapping was less than impressed with some aspect of the episode, particularly the furniture. Furniture. We just thought it was insane that there was this really powerful freaking system lord and thousands of years later, he's got a following of 12 people and a throne encrusted with jewels. Reigning in her exasperation for a moment, she shrugs. Yeah. We thought the concept of the episode was really clever, but I personally feel he should have accomplished so much more than just garner a cult following and a chair. I mean, <laughs> what the hell did he get that? Where did, did he get that throne? Did he cart that with him from across the centuries from Egypt and all through the galaxy and back through the Stargate and down again. It's a honking big throne. Come on. She says, Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, I think so, you know, getting ahead of myself a little bit, um, a little bit of a, a little bit of a teaser as to what kind of rating I might give this episode. Um, her level of exasperation with the totality of the concept, I think is well it's resonating with me for sure like there's a lot about this episode that's a little like really really so we'll get there yep um and that's really all i have for trivia uh so now it's time for our synopsis and yes. this one also comes from stargate command wiki and yeah. despite being gone for roughly a month on break i still have not had time to edit the synopsis. <laughs> so we'll be hey, editing it's on the okay. fly. Okay, dude, you had an in, you had an intense spring and early summer. That intense. True. That's true. And uh, uh, Zach and I were talking before we hit record. Uh, I am currently going through my intense time of year, and so uh, having a little bit of the break was very welcome. But uh, you know what? It's totally fine. You're still recharging your batteries. We'll uh, we'll 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 come at it with a vengeance here. Um, soon soon yep yep i was very thankful for some time off and oh, i'm man. also ready to dig back into this because yeah this me is, too i'm excited ready to go so here we go with the synopsis from the stargate command wiki with my edits on the fly okay Ooh, on the fly Woo. on the fly jacob carter of the tokra comes to earth to inform sg1 that a ghoul named satesh has been missing from their records they describe this as a sort of ghoul census for thousands of years mm-hmm. about the time oh okay so there's a parenthesis in there that really screwed things up all right so satesh has gone missing from the records for thousands of years about the time that raw left earth the tokra mm-hmm. have come to the conclusion that satesh is uh still on earth assuming he's still alive he's probably on earth and selmak uh and jacob go to earth to capture him Mm-hmm. Dr. Jackson begins scouring historical records and finds that several cults of Satesh have existed in many cultures throughout history, 
And he finds that the ATF has begun monitoring a modern cult led by Seth Fargo. Several deprogrammed former cult members have stated that, among other things, Satesh even murdered many follow member, fellow members. But the most incredible detail is that Satesh also has the ability to make his own eyes glow. Bum, bum, bum. Yes. SG-1 arrives at Satesh's compound in Seattle, Washington. And Convenient. Yeah. They break into an area surrounding the compound. However, upon discovering the weapons involved, they retreat, only to run into an ATF team led by ATF Special Agent James Hamner, who demands to know what the Air Force was are doing there. I, I neglected to uh, recognize that, uh, the, the, that the special agent's last name was Hamner. Um, I should have been making uh, Captain Hammer jokes the entire time we were watching that episode, but I I didn't I for, I didn't catch that. that. So carry on. Well, he's not a captain; he's just a special agent. I would not be able to help myself making Captain Hammer jokes. You know this about me. Fair, fair enough. These are not the <laughs> hammer. In a tent, <laughs> Hamner informs them of what they're doing, but keeps running into brick walls with Jack and Jacob, both telling him that their work is highly classified. Daniel also mentions that Satesh has probably set up escape tunnels around the compound, and O'Neill has the ATF assist in locating the entrance. Satesh uses uh, Nishta uses Nishta to brainwash the cult, so SG-1 uses electrical shock devices built into earpieces to counter the effects of the virus. That's a messed up paragraph, I have to say. It is a messed up paragraph. It was a virus? Okay, so... Like a compound. So, the idea... Nishta is a virus that's in some sort of compound. Uh, it, it's smart enough to, to actively... I mean, it's not just... Uh, it's not just something that you inhale and then absorbs it. There, there's a reactivity to it gotcha uh which is why if you don't wait long enough and shock it and kill it uh it can come back that was one of the yes. concerns that they had in any That's case right. uh nishta's brainwashing things that was probably used on ryak long time ago great uh, uh retconning there going on uh, <laughs> uh at this point in time um because we talked about that episode way back when was that family i think uh no it wasn't family i remember in any case, about how uh, uh, the the Zat gun totally was like, hey, I'm a, all a better now. Cure, yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is a great retcon um, on that. Uh, but yeah, anyway, moving on. After yes. infiltrating the compound through the escape tunnels, the team manages to free Satesh's followers from his mind control by shocking them with Zat Nicotels. <laughs> but Satesh hides among the followers and attempts to escape through the tunnel. Jacob senses him, but Satesh attacks him with his Karakesh, leaving Jacob and Selmak incapacitated. Selmak then gives Captain Samantha Carter her Kara, uh, his Karakesh before telling her to telling her to Satesh. But despite <laughs> wow, <laughs> so Selmak gives Carter the Karakesh and tells her to go get Satesh. Yes. Uh, uh, and Selmak says, you can do it. You've got the power in you. And she's like, I don't know how to do this thing. Um, but she can. And so she goes and she uh, yells at Seth and she zaps him a couple of times and uh, he dies. Yeah. Uh, hail Dorothy. 
then <laughs> oh, sorry i i don't know why i'm finding that so funny but it's true it's a little bit of the uh dropping the house on the witch well that's also what jack says right right at that point time, oh i, I like, didn't catch that oh boy yeah uh afterwards well Carter that was a funny line go visit uh her brother his son in san diego to mend fences the end the end that's such a stupid ending anyway oh boy Oh, boy. Uh, this is where I say to you, Brent. Yeah. Seth. Mm. What'd you think? All right. So. <clears throat> Zach, uh, as we mentioned in our little sneaky, sneaky bonus episode uh, that we released last time, um, we had found ourselves once again in the same place at the same time, and we decided to watch this episode together. True. Um, I can't recall exactly what I had been doing during the day, but uh, you and your wife were busy doing other things. And by the time we got around to watching this thing, I know for a fact I was exhausted. Yep. I was we still were coming off the... of my insanity. And so this is why I was on vacation and I was also yes. tired. Yes. We sat and we watched this episode and multiple times, at least twice, maybe more, as I was watching this episode, I was finding it very difficult to pay attention to, and also was beginning to drift off to sleep. Oh, no. Zach, you and I had mentioned this to each other, and we were laughing about how we were going to have to rewatch the episode. You said you were going to do that last night. I said I was too. I totally did not. I, I am sitting here this like, morning. Ha ha. Did you? <laughs> All right. So that's why I missed the missed the Jack line, which was funny. That's a funny line. It is. And I also completely remember not caring about uh, Jacob and... Oh, right. Ding dong. Oh, yeah. I remember now. It's the scene and they're looking at each other and they hug on the stoop and there's the grandkids. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What did I think? Uh, so I'm I'm kind of glad that uh, you read that story from the illustrated uh, thing um, talking uh, where Amanda Tapping is talking about this episode because I could not agree more. There are so many aspects about the the story which kind of make me go, wait, what? 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 Okay, we got a system lord on Earth who's been here for quite a while, and uh, I mean, I guess I can kind of make the explanation that he's wanting to lay low, and so he's not really making a splash, and he is continually not making a splash for thousands of years. Uh, I mean, maybe he's just cool with um with a more simple life. <laughs> maybe he's. <laughs> Maybe he's a system lord that says, you know what, all of these, all of this gold and these cartouches and these scarabs, that's a little much. That's a little over the top. Do we? Do I actually need a spaceship that is able to travel faster than light? No, not really. Do I need to try and vie for power in, in an entire galaxy? You know, it's not my style. My style is just to have, I don't know, say two or three dozen people worshipping my every move. And when I get sick of them, they don't really exist anymore now do they and i go find some new fresh people because that's my <laughs> style right like i mean i guess he could be a total creep uh that's like you know hanging out in the background of earth just like lurking just like right. keep peeking around the corner going hey <laughs> what do you got going on over there <laughs> but 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 you know amanda's sort of summary of wait a minute like 
He's been here for how long? And all he has to show for it is a bit of a backwater cult with a couple dozen people and a throne, a big throne. And yeah, her points are great. Have they been lugging that thing around? Did they just build it just now? Did they go down to the hardware store and pick up some plywood and some gold paint? Because that's sort of what it looks like the set designer did. But, uh, you know, like <laughs> the, the and then and then the overall story, like the big picture story. OK, so fine. So we got this weird thing going on where we have a system lord on Earth in Seattle um, with a little cult uh, doing a thing. And then you got this like the the. The the overlay story of SG-1 being sent to investigate at the behest of the Tok'ra, who are like, oh, hey, you know what? We just happened to look through our records, and wouldn't you know it? <laughs> we seem to have lost one. <laughs> huh. Where could we have misplaced Suresh? Um, or Satesh, that's his name. Satesh. Yeah, and so, okay, fine, so the SG-1 team goes to investigate, and it's on Earth, how convenient. Um, and then you got this little intra-governmental uh, tension that they're trying to keep going here with another government agency, like, saying, who are you to walk into my thing here? Um, oh, right, and then there was, like, the dad. Do you remember the dude that they met on the yeah. road before they went into the compound? And he just kept, like, popping up in weird places. Like, he was outside the compound just hanging out. <laughs> like, nobody else is around him. He's just sort of hanging out of the ditch and, waiting and to see his when son. The, the, the sheriff's truck just departs, there he is. Yeah, he's just he's just there. And then wasn't he, didn't he, like, show up at a couple of points in the ATF, like, base camp? Yes. And then he shows up at the um, evacuation point through the escape tunnel? Was, uh, yeah. Wasn't he there on that one? Yeah, because he he's he's there to to meet his son and have his, uh, uh, you know, teary eyed reunion. Did he ever Tommy. get it? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Tom, he he sees Tommy and Tommy sees him and 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 they get all teary eyed and and uh, uh, they hug it out. Uh huh. That was really memorable, as you can see. Um, yeah. but like his presence, I was telling you that I thought he was going to be a MacGuffin. I thought he was going to be a turns out, right? I thought it was going to be like, he actually is like, well, boy, it would have been more fun if he was actually Seth. Now, wouldn't it have been? Yeah. Um, but uh, you know what I'm saying, though? Like, he's kind of like this weirdly placed character. And if and if his role is precisely as it says on the tin, it's just kind of weird. But right. if his role is actually more sinister, well, that's classic television storytelling right so like i was expecting the other shoe to drop and never did and so there was that um and so yeah so then so then what am i walking away with oh right and then also like seth died pretty weirdly easily at least if i recall right like he gets hit i mean he i mean wish it 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 was rather gruesome to see him plastered into the ground like he was uh but you know yeah. Was that, I mean, what was the deal? Like, did he get like one shotted with the Karakesh? Was that it? Well, I, I think it was two shots. Uh, yeah. I think what happened was, I mean, so a Carter hits him once and he goes flying and then he's kind of lying on the ground and she comes up to him and then she's like, bam, hits him again. I think part of what kills him is that she doesn't know what she's doing. Yes. That was what um, was crossing my mind. Yeah. Like, she's pouring all of this, like, energy and hatred or whatever, you know, like, let the hate flow through you. Yes. Give in. And so she just, like, nails him. Um, 
But it was a little, it, it just, I don't know, it just felt a little incongruous. And why is that? Maybe because the Karakesh up until now hasn't really seemed like an extraordinarily effective weapon, right? Like every time it sort of makes an appearance, it does damage and it's bad and everybody's dodging it. But I don't know if I've ever seen it really land a punch until then. Well, I mean, the big thing that the Karakesh does is, well, either A, you can use it to like scramble the brains of somebody. Right, right. as we saw that. with, uh, yeah. Um, and we've also seen it, we see it in this episode several times where it's used to throw people back. And of course, that's what right. Sam is doing. And imagine if if you had the force of throwing you across a room, but you were laying on the ground and I was three feet away. Right, right. Uh, so that's how I look at that. Um, okay. You know, it, I mean, it would take quite a bit of force for me to throw you 20 feet in the air, or even 15, Correct. right? Let's just, yes. So uh, so let's say that I use that kind of force at you from three feet away instead of, you know, 10 feet away or whatever, mm-hmm. throwing you an additional mm-hmm. 15. Uh, but you have no place to go because you are right. on the ground. Literally I against I mean, that kind of kinetic rock. energy is probably going to do something very similar to what we see in this episode, and it would suck. Sure. Yes. Okay. Fair. Fine. All right, so then I need to get off my high horse and accept the Karakesh is a pretty, it's a pretty badass little piece of technology. Sure. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So, okay. In total, what do I got? I got, I got a whole, you know, I just, I feel like, I feel like the dog looking in the end of the gramophone. I just feel like my head is tilting a lot on this one where it's like, really? What's okay. That, okay. That's happening. And this is the rationale and this is occurring and that's weird. And okay. And that wrapped up pretty easily. And Oh, isn't that convenient? You know, there was an awful lot of that that was kind of happening with this episode. So I kind of feel a little like, all right, this happened, but I'm not really sure I care. Yeah. What'd you think? Well, so there are lots of pieces of this that I really, really enjoy. I mm-hmm. love the Jaffa joke at the beginning. I think yes. that uh, the, the joke itself is, is a non sequitur, and that makes it absolutely hilarious. Teal's, uh Christopher Judge's uh, performance of that is spot on, and it mm-hmm. really just makes you laugh. Everybody else's response to it is just great. Uh, mm-hmm. That works wonderfully. Another scene I absolutely love is when uh, the 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 interaction between Hamner and Jacob, uh, where he's like, you have a rather insubordinate subordinate, and he's not insubordinate to me. You know, that that dialogue, that interchange uh, was just fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, the general story here, the idea of a system lord being trapped on Earth for the last 4,000 years or 5,000 years, whatever it's been, uh, and and being forced to hide out, but not being, but still being a ghoul, um, you know, that's cool to, to, to find him. Uh, the exploration that it's maybe a cult leader, like we had in David Koresh, I think that was just a little bit, for me, a little too on the nose. Sure. Um, but the idea works. I like that. Um so there's a lot of elements about this that I really like 
but I don't think it comes together well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I haven't decided where I'm going to go with my ratings, so we'll we'll figure that out in a few minutes. Sure. Uh, I think here, you know, re rewatching Stargate this time, I get a chance to pay more attention to who's the writer, who's the director. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I am noticing with Jonathan Glasner mm-hmm. uh, is that he has done a very good job of coming up with basic ideas. And I mm-hmm. always, I'm always thinking that, that most of his episodes kind of fall a little bit flat. Like, they're mm-hmm. high on idea, but, but the way it pans out is just... Sure, sure. ...is just a little bit, uh, you know, like this... Like, you take all of these elements. These are great pieces. Um, but, but the story, it, it doesn't like, yeah, quite like, work. You know, I mean, it's like, A... You know, you could have taken out and should have taken out the whole thing about Carter's son and Tommy and whatnot. You could have had some of those same characters and whatnot, but but that's not necessary. It 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 was superfluous to the story. It's a silly way of ending the episode. Um, you know, uh, families don't just hug it out after not seeing each other for <laughs> for fifteen years. Well, it doesn't do work television. that way. It would yeah. be nice if it did, but it doesn't. Right. You know. Um, you know, the issues that sent Tommy into that cult, uh, between him and his dad are Mm -hmm. still there. Uh, uh, you know, you don't just, you know, walk away. And, and, and so what, what frustrates me as somebody, you know, just as, as one who works on interpersonal relationships and, Mm -hmm. and trying to make those healthy, you know, help and foster that in others. It it doesn't work this way, and it frustrates yeah. me. Yeah. Um. So you know, you could have cut that out. That's not necessary to the story you were trying to tell with the 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 cult leader and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um. So there are ideas here that work really well, and there are other pieces that don't. And and I just am getting this feeling that Jonathan Glasner is good on making ideas and less good on turning those ideas into uh, something that doesn't, at the very least, doesn't hold the test of time. Sure, sure. I mean, as you were talking about that and talking about like how could this idea have been implemented differently in order to be more impactful, um, the first thing that I was thinking of... um, was uh, changing the lo- the location, um, having it set in the United States, I think made it instantly tougher to try to sell because you had to have the total size of the group, the total size of the little cult, be relatively small and kind of like in a in a you know a you know in a hundred acre compound somewhere, right. Whereas if uh, so, if you had taken it in like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom type of an angle where it's far, far away and isolated, you could have theoretically, you know, people numbering in the thousands uh, taking part of this of this little self-feeding organization that's terrible and 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 no good whatsoever. And it's still oppressive and needs to be shut down. 
Um, but at least you could start to suspend the disbelief a little bit more because it's like, oh, the reason he's been under the radar is because he's off over there where the Western world hasn't really been paying attention to it or something right. like that. And also, then, then you, you get the with that idea, if you went that idea, you'd also have the, you know, then you have to ask the question, um, is he being bad or is he just being a megalomaniac leader? Uh, sure. You know, and then you have the question of, well, do you take out their leader? Um, because now you leave all of these people, whatever, uh, you see, know. Now, yeah. Now you've got some interesting things to play off. Yeah. Um, right. And, and then you have, you know, you have a character, you have a bad guy that, that is, is worth fighting. Um, you know. Yeah. As opposed to this, like, you know, this, this also ran system Lord who just seems to be hanging out in the back, in the background, like. Uh, you know, I mean, I get the idea that, that he's hiding out and clearly he's scared of both the Tok'ra and the system lords after all, mm-hmm. of the, even after all of this time. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, if, if that's the case, then, uh, you could explain that he has a relatively small group of following in this one, especially if he's got this Nishta that's all over the place. Right? Yeah. If he's got Nishta, why is his group a dozen or two dozen? Why isn't it several hundred thousand? Um uh but but in all that case, it's like if he's hiding from the system lords, why um you know and, and the I would have expected to see something uh either bigger or or more fearful. Uh, I'm, I'm trying sure. to think of the right word. There's there's a word in my head that I'm trying to think of, and it's not popping up there. Uh, but he's he's just he's got the megalomaniacal quality that we've seen in other Guauld. Um, but if he's actually hiding away, then then where is is the concern about that? It's almost like like if that's the case, then is he is he not a fraud? Um, and so. And, I don't know. So the concept then is crossing my mind. Like Seth would have been a character that would have been worth several episodes. Um, so you can still have him be this like leader of a you know this 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 little shadowy figure in history, leading these little cults here and there mm-hmm. over time, uh, ending up in the Pacific Northwest doing much the same thing. But instead of trying to wrap him up in an episodic way, introduce him and wrap him up with a bow in the exact same episode, um, you know, go ahead and start trying to come up with stories that explore, well, what what situations could have occurred to cause a system lord to decide that this was his best course of action? To lay this low. What right. what does it mean for a Ghoul to attempt to do exactly this over over millennia? Um has that uh, has that changed him? Is part is the reason why he is uh, only hanging out with a couple dozen people is because the millennia have cooled his heels. He's still a Guauld. He still has this weird need to control people and do this. I mean, he's not a good guy, but maybe we don't see him trying to rampage and take over Earth because time has affected him. But we don't see that, right? We just get introduced to him. 
Um, we are told the 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 most the, the tiniest of backstories to keep it in universe, and then we're introduced to this guy who's just this kind of this weird, creepy like jerk, and uh, he uh, he is he behaves cowardly and dies uh, you know you know dies a shriveling death at the end. Like, well, that's not enough story for this particular character. Like, that's not. And then it brings me back to, okay, so here he was, and there he went, and okay, great. I don't know if this really matters, right? And I know that it's a bit of a privileged thing to, for me to be like, I need my, I need my television stories to matter, Zach. I need them to matter. Like, I, I get it. It's, it, I mean, this is this is this is entertainment. Not every single episode is going to bat it out of the park. Um, but I'm kind of with you where. The notion of his story is intriguing. It's poorly executed in this episode. And as we're talking it through, I'm actually a little bit disappointed that we aren't really exploring the story. I'm imagining sitting around the uh, the writer's room, right? And somebody comes up and says, uh, I have an idea. What if there is a ghoul that has been here for 4,000 years trapped here after Ra, everybody left? Okay, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somebody says, "Well, what if what if uh, he was a cult leader like David Koresh or whatnot?" And that's like, well, that's an interesting. Let's see where that takes us. And I yeah. think that is where the writers' room should have stopped and said, "No." Uh, I think right. that's the piece there that uh, that that fails uh, ultimately. That that uh, really because that takes you down some rabbit holes that that are ultimately not sustainable, I don't think. I think that uh, if we had gone a different route, uh, taking over a small country um, right. would have been... I mean, there are plenty of dictatorial governments out there. Uh, that would point. have been... Ish- and then now you're sitting there thinking, whoa, United States goes after... Right. Yes. Know, uh, uh, right, right, right. Panama, you know, was Nicaragua. Uh, yeah. You know, these are all things that were happening about that time. Um, you know, there would be something uh, to chew hmm. on because but, now you uh, have the U.S. government going into a small country. Yeah, but uh, but but think about it. Imagine if a imagine if a, a television show in the late '90s went with that kind of a storyline versus punching down and going after the you know the the kooky religious fanatics in the compound. Yeah, I right? suppose the other storyline probably was a little too close to home at the time. And yeah, but have... right. But on the other hand, as you describe it, it's like, yeah, that would have been really interesting. Like, um, you know, just recently, you know, thanks to thanks to John Oliver's um, last week tonight, I learned about uh, the 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 state head of Turkmenistan. I think it was Turkmenistan. Um, and he's this, this dude's kooky. This guy is <laughs> really kooky. Um, and, you know, it it. it it was done to highlight how like there still exists world leaders out there that are like, I mean, we obviously think about North Korea when we think about these things, but there's more than just that. Right. And so you're right, Zach, that like even that would have been a more interesting way to explore what would happen if a system Lord was stuck on earth for 4,000 years. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I, I think I, there are pieces of this, that work really well that I like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the basic con- conceptual uh, 
ideas behind this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the storyline moves a little bit too quickly uh, and doesn't just doesn't really get into doesn't get into the nitty gritty of things. Yeah. And as a result, since it's just skipping over the top of like one big story idea and kind of haphazardly throwing in a couple of minor or three minor story ideas in the middle of it. It's just like what it 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 it, it feels like they throw spaghetti against the wall. Yeah. Hoping that something sticks and kind of nothing does. Yeah. See, I think if you had cut out all of the stuff about Tommy and his dad. Yes. Agreed. And and then about Jacob and his son. If you just uh, yes. cut all of that out, you'd have five or six minutes of extra television to make the the rating of the compound and the dealing with all of that. Because all right, let, let's let's take a look at the, the order of events here. Right? Mm-hmm. SG1 goes in, SG1 gets dosed with Nishta. Uh, yes. all of a sudden they're worshiping Seth, but then uh, Seth realizes that oh, maybe they're not who they say they are. Um, yeah. They get zapped uh, so that they are no longer under Nishta. And uh, chaos ensues, and they blow up the building and get everybody out, kill Seth, the end. Yeah. That's the story. That Yeah, that's way too tidy. It, it, well, it's also too quick. I mean, this is... They, they've got, what do they say, 50 calibers um, around the... Well, yeah, the, you know? Right. Uh, th- this, this is... You know, they've got some significant weaponry. And, and then also you look at, uh, you know, uh, Seth's like, uh, oh, I've been prophesying the destruct, you know, the, the infidels coming into here and, and taking us out. And they surround the base and then immediately he blows it up. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, it, it's too, at that point, it's too quick. Seth gives up too easily. Um and, and without and now I could, explanation. You can make the argument that Seth gives up easily here uh, because he's been around for 4,000 years and he knows that it's easier to say goodbye and start again in 10 years than, than uh, uh, to, you know, stand your ground. But, yeah, but, you, but if that's Zach, the case... You, you just vocalize that idea in 20 seconds. Like, that's how much time it would take in a television show to... Put that idea out there. So now his action about blowing up the base makes more sense. Right. I think that's something that's like every cult leader has some lieutenants. Yeah. Has some, you know, inner circle that they actually confide some of the stuff with. Uh, that character was never introduced in this episode. Uh, oh, Yeah. Uh, and if you had, then you would have been able to have that conversation. Uh, you would have been able to flesh out uh, Seth just a little bit more, such that mm-hmm. uh, he's he's more than just simply uh, a bad guy that could get knocked down, even if you're going to just knock him down at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's, there are pieces that, that would make this a better episode, a better story. Um, now, that said, I think the acting was pretty good. Uh, uh, Robert sure. Duncan did a great job acting. Yeah. Um, you know, aside from the fact that that you know the the father son reunions were a little bit more teary eyed than they ought to have been, those, the acting was fine. The acting was really good. Um, I think the the problem in this episode ends, uh, 
and begins with with the story. Yeah, I agree. We could have fixed it. You know what? If they had given us the reins to this thing back in 1999, 18-year-old me probably would have just totally knocked it out of the park. Uh, You know what? 21-year-old me would have done the exact same thing. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just obvious now. Yeah, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Well, Brent. uh, Yeah. I think I'm finished talking about this episode. Yeah, I am too. All right. So then, I ask you, my dear friend, Mm -hmm. out of seven chevrons, Mm -hmm. how many chevrons does Seth get? Spaghetti against the wall and nothing sticks. Um, I'm gonna... I think I'm gonna be harsh and give it a two because I'm waffling between a two and a three and the harshness comes from uh, feeling like this thing could have been a three had they just trimmed a few bits off of it. It was not uh, it was not a cohesive story and there were interesting ideas, but those interesting ideas were lost in part because of how the story was a little bit disjointed and it was trying to do a few too many things while focusing on the one thing. It just, and it's disappointing as we were talking about it, but on the other hand, like, you know, if there are aspects about the story that come back in later on in the season, then, then, then I am incorrect. But right now it just looks like this is a skippable one. So that's a two. There you go. Um, I was sitting here thinking, um, you know, I was going to be in that same range, two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was aiming at three. And then I remembered something that I forgot to talk about earlier. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, you know, way back, we kind of mentioned this, right? Ryak gets zapped with this nishta. Yes. Uh, and then he becomes brainwashed by Teo, by, by Apophis and, and all of that stuff. And, and he's, the day is saved when, when he gets zapped by a, uh, uh, Zat Nicotel. And right. I'm like, and then when this episode comes up and does what it does, I'm like, hey, great. That's awesome. You retconned that in a way that makes sense. And I can mm-hmm. accept that. And, and this is good. Sure. And then like five minutes later, they're saying the Nishta wouldn't wo- work on Teal'c or Selmat. Right. But if the Nishta doesn't work on Teal'c, right. why did it work on Ryak? Did Ryak have a symbiote? Yes. Okay, I don't know then. And so with that, and I remember this now, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I was waffling between two and a three, and, yeah. and I'm going to follow your lead and give this, this thing a two. Yeah. Uh, disappointing right because uh here we are beginning of season three is when things are supposed to get good um you know and and this is interesting Uh, i remember this episode more fondly i mean problematically but more fondly than than watching it this time uh but but still uh well and again our little gag here is that we're giving it ratings now and and it's it's my rating. It isn't the rating. That's true. So 
like, yeah, I watched this episode. The story felt disjointed. I didn't really like where it was going. I thought of where I thought of other ways that it could have been said that probably would have been more satisfying. Therefore, for me, this is a two out of seven. Yep. Does that mean that everybody in the world has to have it a two? Absolutely not. Right. And um, so, uh, hey, here's a here's a pivot. Um, although I might be running over top of you. I'll let you do ahead, your thing. Ahead. But uh, I imagine that uh, people might want to be able to uh, let us know what they think about it. Ah, well, they, they would. Uh, we got a couple. St- I went, Before we get there, though. Yes. Um, I was just thinking, um, early on, there's an episode, Fire and Water, in the first season, right? This is the, the fish dude that captures Daniel. Yes. Um, we, if I recall correctly, ripped that one to shreds. We didn't like that one at all. Right. Um, uh, but I was listening to another podcast, Chevron's Locked, po- Locked Podcast. Mm-hmm. Great podcast. Go listen to them. Uh, I'm not, yes. you know, so just, they're great pod. Listen to them. Uh, I'm actually a little disappointed that it's so spoiler-filled because I would like to listen to more. But anyway, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, but since I don't have to worry about that, I do get to listen to them. Um, mm-hmm. but fire and water was one of the episodes that I don't remember which one of them now, uh, got them into the series that, that they, uh-huh. they, 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 that was enough of a story that, that really, I was waffling back and forth. And that episode is the one that kind of turned them, uh, on sure. and, and got that episode yeah, yeah, going. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, as we, you know, we give these ratings, uh, we didn't give the, that a high rating, but they enjoyed it. Uh, so, um, you know, this is just us now. And, you know, I'm going to be honest, even with giving this a two, I still love this show. And I will, even oh, sure. when I watch this uh, this series again, because it will happen again, I'll watch Seth. Why? Because that's what I do. <laughs> that's what you do. <laughs> Uh, so you know taking taking part in the whole like you know uh, self-congratulatory uh uh, banter some more um uh this project is great fun for a multitude of reasons but one of the new reasons why this is fun for me is starting to get uh engaged with the existing stargate fan base and so having uh having uh structured thoughtful reaction to episodes and then having those reactions documented in ways like in our cases it's podcasts and there's a few podcasts out there that are kind of doing the same thing right the, the, um it that's that feels like a really awesome thing to have access to that like you know there's this there's a storyline that people really like and here's a few different takes on it like here's here's this guy's take on it here's this woman's take on it like what and and you know we do not have to agree like that's the best part about it except for on emancipation we must agree on emancipation (laughs) that is the litmus test yep um but thereafter like yeah like they like fire and water or at least one of them did and um that's pretty cool like it's fun to see what parts tick with people it's it's great it's, it's yep. wonderful yeah awesome awesome uh, and to pivot then where brent was pivoting earlier yeah uh tell us what you think about seth uh tell us how you really you know maybe this is the episode that really uh solidified your uh watching the show um who knows whatever it is tell us your opinions and thoughts about yes this we want to hear it all right. Hey, Brent. Yes. The next episode of Stargate SG-1 mm-hmm. is called Fair Game. Mm-hmm. And I would like to know from you what Fair Game is all about. Fair Game. Uh, 
The SG-1 team travels through the Stargate to find themselves in a strange world. They discover that it is a rocky archipelago. Is that it? Archipelago? Okay. A rocky island mass place with ocean and la la la. And they discover that they seem to be partaking in another ancient civilization that has been put off world. They appear to be in and amongst ancient Greeks. And in the ancient Greeks, there is a hero who is striving to find an animal, a golden animal, a sheep with a golden fleece. Dr. Jackson then tries to make a joke, and he says, look, it's fair game. Fair because it's like blonde and game because it's like an animal that they're hunting. And this is the whole point of the episode. Join us next time on Stargate SG-1, where the Stargate team decides to go chase after Fair Game. So, uh, so Zach. Yes, Brent? How, how'd I do? Um, that would be a really interesting episode to watch. As I was kind of talking it through, that might actually be a pretty fun one, but uh, like a retelling of, uh, you know, Jason and the Argonauts, that'd be fun. But sure. um, something something tells me that's not what this episode's about. Well, why don't we watch the promo that uh, our good friend David uh, yes. produced for us Thank uh, you, David. and uh, find out what Fair Game is all about. Okay. Um, Are you ready? Yes, I believe I am ready. I'm also concerned that i might be like having my own audio cut out but whatever we'll we'll find out we'll, we'll find right, out here we i go. am oh no not ready oh stop no nope. wait wait <laughs> I, I, I why is my thing not working anymore la, 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 la. okay i am ready all right i am ready i'm hitting go now okay next time on stargate sg1 i am thor Gawold system lords have turned their attention towards you. Earth has once again proven it can be a formidable threat. The Asgard will attempt to negotiate with the Gawold system lords. Three representatives from the system lords will arrive by Stargate. We have chosen you, O'Neill, to represent your planet at the proceedings. Kronos was among the earliest Greek gods, one of twelve titans who eventually ascended to supreme domination. The second gold representative we're expecting is you. Most likely to favor this treaty and the third ghoul, Dr. Jackson. Nerti is the ghoul who wiped out all but one survivor of P8X-987. But when negotiations break down, the fate of the world lies in the balance. Is your planet at stake? I believe you have it within you to make the right decision. Do we need to watch it again? No, no. Uh, so, um, I'll, I'll figure, I'll figure something out else out about that one. So, uh, you know, as far as the audio is concerned, it got all borked, but my goodness, there's like a treaty or like a, like a, like a summit and it's going to be involved the Titans and it's going to have all these ancient and then Teal'c, Teal'c, what happened to Teal'c? That's a good question. We'll have to wait and find out next time. Oh man. I'm super excited. You should be. I might have to, I might have to like, you know, like stop this and like watch it like right away. Okay. Like it might be happening. Okay. Or I might have to like not be able to wait. Well, you, you're welcome to do that. I won't stop. <laughs> you know, but then I have a whole week to wait before talking about it. Yeah. All right.
Uh, so that's our next episode, Fair Game, and we will take that uh, uh, promo and put that up on online uh, for you to watch here. Um, uh, I'll try to get that posted about the same time that the episode goes live so that those come together. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, with that, tell us what you think about this episode. Tell us uh, about what you think about uh, uh, cult leaders. Tell us what you think about <laughs> uh, uh, megalomania- maniacal creatures. Tell us what you think about uh, uh, fathers and sons uh, hugging it out. Uh, tell us what you think about whatever it is that you want to tell us about. Uh, you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Follow us on Twitter at Stargate mm-hmm. Walking. Visit our Facebook page, Walking Through the Stargate, or the Facebook group, which is also Walking Through the Stargate. Yes. Uh, convenient. Convenient. So uh, with that, uh, anything else, Brent? Nope. This so was, then, uh, I'm ready to let this one go. All right. Well, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.